0: We think a lot of these solutions being built right now on top of Bitcoin will solve difficult problems, but the user won't have to have any type of visualization or mental model as to how that's being done.
1: Welcome back to Beyond the Price, a podcast from CoinPost that goes beyond the flashing numbers to explore how Bitcoin fits into the global economy and how real people and real companies are actually using it, especially in Asia. In this episode, my colleague Mark and I talk with Nico Lechuga, one of the founding partners of Ego Death Capital, a Bitcoin-focused venture fund with an amazing name and an even more amazing portfolio, truly some of the most talked about Bitcoin projects. This is actually an interview from a Twitter space a few months ago, so apologies if the audio is a little tinny, but topic-wise, it's right in line with what I'm trying to do with this podcast, bring you conversations that contravene the conventional beliefs about Bitcoin. For example, you may have heard that Bitcoin takes a long time to settle, or in other words that it can't scale in terms of transactions per second. Well, we talk about Bitcoin scaling and why it's important to take a layered approach with the base layer being thoroughly decentralized and the upper layers delivering the speed and scaling. We also get into what sets Bitcoin apart from other cryptocurrencies, especially if you're a builder. Nico lays out why you should consider building on Bitcoin rather than other blockchains, and he highlights two of EgoDeath's investments, one called Fedi that is revolutionizing the way communities can interact with Bitcoin, especially those in less secure parts of the world who are the ones who most need a non-governmental money anyway. Another company is Sonoda, which is changing the way energy companies get paid. A nice compliment to last episode about Bitcoin's energy use in the environment. So lots in store for you. Let me know what you think of this one. I hope you enjoy. Nico, welcome to
0: the show. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for having me on. Thanks to CoinPost. Uh, really, really appreciate you guys creating a space for us to talk. And I uh, can't wait to, for this discussion.
1: Yeah, yeah. Super stoked to, to uh, finally be able to have you on so uh first of all, I guess uh I'm just curious like what your background is um before you got involved with uh ego death or even like before you came to bitcoin
0: yeah, of course, I think the background kind of leads me into what allowed me to come to ego death and came to 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 bitcoin um, I started off my career in private equity, predominantly looking at projects and emerging in frontier markets and um there was a, a general partner at the, the fund that I was at that was born in Ghana and then raised in London. And so a lot of the project focus at that time period was in uh, Western Africa. And what really became really apparent to me um, over my time uh, at that firm was that a lot of the, call it like Western – access to financial tools were not available or afforded to people in, in emerging and frontier markets. And it became really, really apparent, this, this huge just point of inequity in the world and um, something that's always like stuck with me throughout my career. And that I think is what really, really brought me to Bitcoin was Bitcoin was this big aha moment for me that, that people, no matter where they were born, where they were raised, um, their backgrounds, their access, could have access to financial freedom and financial and sovereignty over their money. And um, it wouldn't matter if you were in Sudan or if you were in the United States, you could still access access Bitcoin. And so that was, was really, really profound uh, for me. Backing up a little bit, I left private equity to be an entrepreneur. I've owned a company in a consumer package goods space, one that actually specializes in making uh, hot sauce for the past almost six years now. And it's been great to wear the hat of an entrepreneur um, in a commodity space, something that that largely relies on uh, multiple different inputs all the time and and grow and scale that business. I think it it, it has made me acutely aware of all types of inflation that have been felt by different entrepreneurs around the world, um, manipulation of money. And um, it's afforded me with the opportunity to have the freedom over the past couple of years to, to come back to Bitcoin in a professional capacity. So I saw with Jeff Booth and Andy Pitt, my two other general partners at ego death capital, this, this moment, um, that we felt was akin to the start of the internet of just this explosion of companies that we're going to be building on top of Bitcoin. And I know we'll dive into that, but that was, it was right about in, in 2020 and, um, that's why we came together. We formed EgoDeath Capital and um, this pre-seed seed stage fund uh, to invest in those companies.
1: Yeah, that was one thing that surprised me, that uh, you guys only got started a few years ago. Looking at the the people involved and like how established they are in the Bitcoin space, I would have assumed that it had been around a lot longer. But uh, yeah, only uh, what, 2020, you said. And uh, also looking at your website, uh, just in terms of like the aesthetics, like with the eclipse, I mean, most Bitcoin sites, for one thing, there's like a lot of orange, um, but you guys went in a totally different direction aesthetically uh, from both like Bitcoin sites and then also like other VC sites, it seems like. And then, of course, with the name Ego Death Capital, um, really unique there as well. And I, I want to talk about your philosophy a bit as well, but I'm, I'm just curious, like with the name and also the aesthetics, what was the uh, the thinking behind that?
0: we had uh it was very intentional actually so from the beginning um andy and myself were really like tasked with uh with forming the the the, call it the foundational elements of the the brand of of at this time period was just a fund so one of the things that i thought was really important um it turns out my my wife uh and business partner in another business actually has this background this great background within branding and um imagery and voice for brands. And so we solicited her pretty early on into, um, into the fund when the fund was just an idea to help us to come up with these elements that I think are are, are really, um, resonating with people. So the eclipse, the name, the brand voice, the imagery. And so Andy, Lauren, my wife, and myself did a number of brainstorming sessions to go over really the values and the principles of the, um, of the fund. Figure out what really mattered to us and then go about this in a branding exercise to find a name that, that we felt fit for the work that we were going to be engaging in. So we see that we saw this huge shift that was going to be happening from the traditional financial system to this more equitable distributed access financial system that was accessible to all um, built on top of Bitcoin. And we felt like one of the, the interesting things uh, about that, that, if we could draw a parallel, was, was really to this, this experience in um, meditation or psychedelics of this, this loss of ego. And a lot of time when that, that happens, of thinking of profound moments within people's lives and this being one of the more profound, um, there's resistance to it. As in the same way that this traditional financial system will resist to the shift to this Bitcoin-based financial system, and we felt like the the way to encompass that or encapsulate that was through this name ego death. And so we have this very intentional branding from the start. Um, no capital letters across anything, as we felt like the mission of the fund was bigger than anybody else or any individual, including the fund. Um, and then this this just words and imagery that hopefully uh, connote to the, the the reader portfolio companies um, and our, our partners that what we are going after. And I think that that's really, really come across.
2: Yeah, I, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and you were talking about, you know, going down a different route. Um, how would you say that Bitcoin VC investing differs from traditional VC investing? So that's, a,
0: that's a really good question. Um, I, think that, I think
2: that in VC, the VC
0: landscape, what we've gotten away from in the past two years is what, how the VC fund model was, was established. And VC funds were originally established to invest in projects over the life of a company. So it's stage-based financing. So you're providing capital for a company, the, the company hits a new milestone, an additional capital comes in because the company is ready to to jump into this new um, this new stage of, of their company. Uh, what what has happened over the past like eighteen months and twenty four months, especially in in an altcoin space, is that um, the traditional VC space has been conditioned to potentially quick liquidity and quick exits. And uh, what we really wanted to do with EgoDev Capital and, and being a Bitcoin VC was get back to this traditional venture capital investing um, mindset in that you're investing in companies in the same way a traditional VC would, and you're supporting those companies as they go through the life cycles of being a company. And that could take like a traditional venture fund is set up for, for ten, a 10-year life. That could take 10 years to, to really get a company to mature. So I would say that the the, the investing that we're doing today um, doesn't look fundamentally different from traditional VC investing as VC investing was um, originally designed to to uh, be utilized. But it does differ from venture investing in an altcoin space in the past probably two years where um, you've had tokenized projects and much earlier liquidity within within those alt projects
1: yeah that uh, that makes a lot of sense and it uh, it uh, it makes me think of well one other thing that stuck out to me in your uh, in the intro on your site is that you say that your ambition is not to own the Bitcoin ecosystem but to support its creation um, and what stuck out to me about that is that uh, observing a lot of, um, investors, I guess, especially VC investors, it feels like the goal is to like, they do recognize that, um, that, uh, something, uh, revolutionary is out there. Something new is coming, but it feels like the impetus is to try to own a piece of that, um, and to profit from it as much as possible. So I was wondering, um, like from that perspective, if there are, uh, Key differences, and I guess uh, I mean you probably already mentioned some of them, but like, how do you invest in companies and in a space uh, without um, accidentally or intentionally ending up like owning uh, a significant part of that space?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a really good question. I think that this was a good uh, a good reason of how the fund was was funded uh, or founded, excuse me, from the general partner standpoint and the advisor standpoint, in that all of our Uh, general partners and advisors um, have some degree of entrepreneurship in their background. And why does this matter? It matters because you've sat across from the people that are providing funds at some other time in your professional career. And we can understand the pain points of companies. We can understand um, uh, as you're negotiating terms with them or investing in them, the friction points, what really matters, what doesn't matter, and how we can best support them. Um, I think a lot of, Investors, uh, traditional investors, can try to take control over uh, certain portfolio companies, and and this can work in different fund models. So it might work in a private equity fund. It might work in a, in a um, situation based like hedge fund where you have a, a degree of sway. Our minds, our, our view within within investing is that if. No matter what you may want the company to do, if the entrepreneur, the CEO, the the founder, the original founder of that company doesn't agree with that, then it doesn't really matter. the The, the company's um, company is going to fail. And so, how we're investing is to really support those those entrepreneurs and provide them, hopefully, with um, additional tools uh, that they can add to their repertoire and that they can um, utilize to, to grow themselves and grow the space. And if the space grows, then yes, we'll, we'll own a portion of, of, of that company, but the, the, the overall pie will grow for everybody else. And I think that that's the really intentional way that um, we're investing not only for the fund, but we're investing for hopefully a better tomorrow. Um, a number of individuals within the fund, myself, uh, Jeff, Preston, have kids. And I think when you look down at at your younger kids, like beyond just getting a fund to, to have decent rates of return, uh, hopefully you ideally in this type of space, um, hope that the projects lead to a better, more equitable, um, future for, uh, for different, for future generations. And so that's been pretty intentional from the beginning of
1: the fund. Speaking of, uh, ownership or, control over uh over companies or projects i i suspect that uh you see a pretty big difference between um the control that you as an investor have over over bitcoin versus uh the control that investors in uh say uh altcoin or crypto projects have over those protocols or those currencies um so maybe this would be a great time because i think a lot of our audience is, is more of like a a crypto audience that just sees Bitcoin as uh, one of many cryptocurrencies, um, the largest, and perhaps as a result, like the most boring or like Boomer Coin, something like that. So maybe this would be a great time to jump into like why you're so passionate about Bitcoin only.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is a great point, um, Brad. And I think if we go back to the the um, the how Bitcoin was originally like designed, so within cryptocurrency there's just called this trilemma in between decentralization scalability and um security and you cannot have all three things picture this triangle in your head so bitcoin's the most secure and it's the most decentralized if we call it uh asset within the space and but it's not scalable at five to seven transactions per second it's slow um and what what this did like it not being scalable provided an avenue for these like altcoins to come in and um and compromise on decentralization or scalability or excuse me or security for scalability what we end up finding though is when you compromise at a at a foundational level so what the the space calls a layer one uh for uh, decentralization and or security is that you cannot form a a new global monetary system on top of it, as you're, you're in essence building on an unstable foundation. Um, what we end up finding is that these projects, while they can be interesting and, and generate a lot of hype and buzz, they're, they're generally very short-term. They're highly speculative. Um, they have limited real-world utility today. Um, and the, the people that are following these projects from a retail perspective, Um, are generally pretty fickle. And one of the reasons why is because they've been conditioned as retail investors to jump from one project to another depending on the the rate of return that that project can yield them. So the higher the yield on those projects, um, the more people are going to pour into those projects and leave other ones. What we find with Bitcoin um, is that while it wasn't scalable on on a foundational level, layer two so we're calling if we think of a step above bitcoin so the technology being built on top of it solve bitcoin's scalability so the the biggest probably example of this today is the lightning network so the lightning network is this peer-to-peer network mesh network that's be, that's built on top of bitcoin and this has a higher throughput than all both visa and mastercard and solves bitcoin's scalability problem this allows for those companies that have, in the past few years, been built in the altcoin space to be built on top of Bitcoin, which is a stronger uh, foundational building block, something that we can we can build on for the future. A lot of times, too, because like Bitcoin was introduced as this peer-to-peer money, um, digital money, that. Because of that, a lot of the problems that are being built on top of Bitcoin today have high real-world utility and low speculation. So we see them as um, more sustainable projects over the long term. I think getting back to your other point on the the, the control of like Bitcoin or say uh, an altcoin um, from an investor standpoint is what's really interesting from a professional investor standpoint. Uh, venture capital money coming in. Within the altcoin space, is like a lot of the the altcoins or the altcoin projects that have a token element to them, will have this pre-token offering uh, for investors before their like initial token offering or before that the token is floated to the retail population. So it gives early investors the ability to um, have a liquid asset this token which seems like it's a security before it's offered to the retail investors and then reap the rewards as soon as it's floated to the rest of the market um, it gives the investor a high degree of control over those projects which means that they're probably not that decentralized they're probably more concentrated with a few individuals than they like to they'd like you to know and um, and it just creates this unfair environment. Through which the assets change hands, and with Bitcoin, that that's not that that can't happen. Like we've seen a number of um, called like the block size wars between the miners and the the the, um, the people operating nodes on the Bitcoin network, and, and really no one no one has uh, a, a huge amount of control over Bitcoin. It is this is highly decentralized. Um, digital money and that's just such a different thing to build on and from our perspective as professional investors um, that's a great space to build projects on because we believe that the, the Bitcoin foundation will continue to exist into the future whereas a lot of these other um, altcoins will probably contract, they'll fail uh, as the insective structure fades and as uh, capital sours to the projects into the space.
2: Um, so you mentioned scalability and some other um, aspects of um, other coins. Do you think that everything that's being built right now on other chains will come to um come to bitcoin because you know right now i think the new hot thing is ordinals where you can like inscribe an nft on the blockchain network like so kind of a double question what do you think about bitcoin being used for other things and do you think everything will come to bitcoin
0: i think let's just take the the latter part of it first i think being bitcoin being used as 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 other things like the beautiful thing about like bitcoin is the market gets to decide um so the market got to decide the the block size um, in the block size wars, the market will get to decide how Bitcoin is utilized, um, whether people are putting inscriptions, I think, on the main chain. So you're going to this, the Ordinals project of like NFTs that are, that are being put on the main chain. Um, I think that we're, we're interested in those projects from an intelligence standpoint, anything that's out there. I think that uh, uh, in this space, you want to just have a complete open mind to uh, open mind, come into it almost like a child and trying to just gather more information and not have any kind of preconceived notion as to um, what you think that the, the space should look like or what projects fit within it. And only after gathering uh, a bunch of intelligence on that do we kind of make an informed decision. So at this time period, I think the ordinal spaces, ordinal inscription space, uh, Is pretty young within the the Bitcoin space. Uh, there's an incredible amount of excitement on it. I think anytime there's excitement, um, it's good from a, a standpoint of of building. And we just have to temper that excitement with, for our from our standpoint, of evaluating these projects of whether they're investable um, and whether they're going to have uh, utility in the real world and uh, whether they're going to have long term value. From the standpoint of um, the projects being built in the altcoin space, I think that a lot of those projects, like we see them as, as like thermodynamics, right? There's, as the, the, it becomes more apparent that there are network outages on these other spaces and that the, the foundation that you're building on um, is highly speculative and prone to network outages and, weird incentive structures the projects that are looking to build long-term businesses will probably port over to bitcoin um is what we believe that's not to say that the the there aren't great builders within the altcoin space there are incredible engineers there are incredible projects um we just think that the, the the more Uh, solid the foundation that you're building across if if i were building a business uh, the more desirable it's gonna you're gonna want to be for as a builder to build on top of that foundation
1: that's a really interesting point and uh um uh, a question comes to mind i mean i don't i don't want to put you on the spot but uh uh this past weekend um we had a huge uh, ethereum event in tokyo um eth global tokyo it was uh hackathon um hundreds of people maybe even close to a thousand people participating um several hundred projects came out of that i think um and yeah like you said a lot of um really talented uh uh, builders in that space with um uh as far as i could tell really great intentions but is there like uh um a message that you would have for them like um like why they should build on bitcoin instead of ethereum or something like that
0: yeah so i don't i don't fault them i think that if we look at historically like there's there's a tremendous amount of capital that's that's um in the form of dry powder so money that's sat on the side uh in different venture capital vehicles that's ready to be invested into those projects and if I were a young builder that this is, and you were looking at like, where is the, 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 the spaces where historically it's easy to get capital. Like there's a tremendous amount of capital in those spaces. I think that the, the, if you're decoupling, uh, the, the, the capital, the historical element of this and the capital there, there is capital that's pouring into the Bitcoin ecosystem and Bitcoin space now. And, um, and this is coming in a, a bunch of different forms. So there's a number of pre-seed and seed funds. There's a, uh, this incredible uh, incubator that just launched, Wolf, um, that's funding early stage projects and, and really incubating them and getting them to the stage where they're probably investable by more professional money. And I think talking to those founders would just be doing a bit more research on the the, the spaces the chains potentially that you're looking to build on and looking historically as to those different ecosystems and their sustainability over the long term because if you're building on like a solana or a cosmos or a Polkadot, and those fade uh in the next five to ten years and your project is built on top of that your project is is um naturally at risk based on things that are probably outside of your control. Whereas if we look historically as to Bitcoin, Bitcoin will be there. And as there are more tools that are added and more infrastructure on top of Bitcoin, there is less to worry about from a builder's standpoint if the ground underneath you is going to dissolve. And I think that that's intriguing. So you're built, it's, a different, it's a different mindset. And the capital is there too. There's funds like Ego Debt. There's uh, a number of other funds within the space. There's um, different strategic investors, and it's just a, a little bit more of exploration.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a, a great answer. Um, how about from uh, like two uh, Bitcoiners? Is there anything that uh, that frustrates you about? Um, the mentality. I know often in, in Bitcoin spaces, there's a real resistance to any kind of change, which makes sense. I mean, in light of everything you've said about the um, wanting Bitcoin to to be there for the long term and to not, uh, like if you, if you uh, went to sleep for 10 years and woke up, that it would not be something unrecognizable. But uh, do you think that Bitcoiners are uh, ever too resistant to change or too unwelcoming of uh, innovation on top of Bitcoin.
0: I think there's a big difference between um, Bitcoin Twitter and like Bitcoin in the world. And Bitcoin Twitter can be really loud on certain things. You might think that that Bitcoin Bitcoiners have to look a certain way, um, with laser eyes, eating steak, uh, have a certain set of values, and really the the message of like Bitcoin being for everybody, I think, is what rings true. And that there has to be this this welcoming to other people and other projects as they look to this space and almost like open arms for them to build within the space. I think that that's going to lead to this adoption, especially this uh, migration of builders uh, quicker than to ostracize people for um, projects that as a Bitcoiner you may have looked at and said that has very little value. Um, I think the other part too is that there, there, there are these incredible builders. Um, there are incredibly smart people in, in these other ecosystems and it would be in Bitcoin's best interest to, to bring those builders over to Bitcoin and to show them how they can build whatever they're building um, in different ecosystems on top of Bitcoin and why they should build that there so just a little bit more
2: like openness so to keep on track with the the builders thing like what projects are you most excited about that have been built on um using bitcoin right now and what projects has your company worked with that you're more excited about all, all of them i mean I, I assume you can't choose a favorite but is any of that really piqued your interest
0: i mean so historically we've as a fund invested in some projects that i think are like really exciting um Fetty provides financial tools to people around the world, uh, allowing them to take um, control of their own money and to custody between themselves and their first party contacts in an environment that puts that money um, outside of really anyone's purview, but themselves. And like, that's incredibly exciting. Sonoda, uh, is an energy company that decentralizes the, the, the payment infrastructure of a traditional energy space. And so that can lead to incredible savings in an energy space. Breeze, one of the things that I think was uh, historically tough with building on top of Lightning was the ability to program into it. And so Breeze provides this really easy-to-use SDK to allow people to program onto that peer to peer mesh network that we talked about being built on top or built on top of, uh, on top of Bitcoin. Um, Relay is this incredible on-ramp in, into Bitcoin in Switzerland and Europe and um, in a non-custodial fashion. As we've seen historically with certain projects, the, the um, third party custody nature of them has posed certain inherent risks to both the platforms and the users. And then finally, Wolf, um, I think, serves this incredible place within the, the ecosystem in that um, as an entrepreneur, there's like there's so much stuff that you that you don't know. And it's it's unfair to come into a, a conversation about capital um, without someone really giving you the opportunity to find out what you don't know. And so Wolf is really, in our opinion, the first um Professional player within the ecosystem that's providing the tools to certain projects, um, getting them up to speed, giving them a bit of capital, and then setting them on their way uh, to to go seek out venture venture investing. I think that that's going to lead to a lot of a lot more investable early stage projects within Bitcoin. It's going to uh, clean up a lot of projects um, and probably lead to more successful projects over the long term. Um, In that you're somewhat, by providing the tools to those early stage projects, uh, de-risking them for both the entrepreneur and from the investor standpoint. Um, I'm incredibly excited, excited about the projects that we've invested in and I'm excited about projects that are that are outside of our purview um, stuff like a Zebedee in the gaming space, uh, putting lightning and Bitcoin within gaming or Albi as a browser extension has really gotten a lot of, um, a lot of attention recently with uh, ordinals and, and Noster, I think mean, Noster in general as a, as an interesting space, we've really seen that historically social media has been uh, concentrated within a few walled gardens and, and Noster, this, this, um, decentralized protocol allows for, um, really you to own your own data and bring that data and your network to, to any other client and platform. And so that as a, just theme space is, uh, is going to be incredibly interesting to see what projects are built there.
1: Yeah. There's really so much going on, uh, in the ecosystem. I would love to dive into, well, if we have, we probably don't have time, but uh, we'd love to dive deep on each of the projects that you're invested in. But uh, I guess, first of all, a quick question, because you mentioned Bitcoin's layer three on your website. Um, f- how do you define a Bitcoin's layer three?
0: Yeah, so simply Bitcoin's layer three are the projects that are enabled by that scaling layer. So like they're being built on top of lightning um, or some of the other like eh, eh, call it like scaling layers. Um, those are generally like if we think to the internet, um, you have HTTPS, TCP IP, and then you have like your Googles, your Facebooks, uh, your Instagrams, so your companies that are being built on top of that. And when we think about the projects that EgoDeph is excited to like look at, those, those are those projects that, that we're looking at. We saw this, this moment where you had your foundational uh, layer of Bitcoin, your layer two, so your scaling layer of the Lightning Network, and then a company like a Fedi or a, a Sonoda sitting on top of uh, that second layer.
1: And that's how we define that. Let's start with FETI, because that was a project that uh, when I first heard about it, I mean, it was a concept that I had never, never even thought about or never imagined anything close to that. But then as soon as it was explained, it, it seemed to make so much sense, um, the idea of uh, I mean, if I if I understand it correctly, small uh, groups or small communities um, having kind of like a personal network of Bitcoin, and there's a few people trusted people that they elect to control the keys um, to that Bitcoin, but then within the network they can kind of uh, transact um, in a way that is using Bitcoin, but also um, there's not the risk of an individual losing their uh seed phrase or their access to the bitcoin do i have that uh roughly correct
0: yeah so that's that's um that's basically it so you, this is at the core of fetty is this this concept of federated Chamane main mitts and um what that it, is really like a long-winded way of think of it as as community banks so you, you uh call it like myself my wife um my best friend, their wife, we could create a community bank between ourselves. Um, we could deposit our Bitcoin into that community bank, and then there maybe is myself and my wife are the um, the guardians of that bank. And um, in exchange for the Bitcoin that's deposited in it, we get um, the these like deposit receipts that are that are um, from the bank called these these like tokens, these bank tokens. Um, And then we're able to transact within that bank. Um, So you could see if these federations were a little bit bigger in certain areas of the world, uh, there could be a circular economy. And then we're able to transact between um, different community banks, um, so different mints, uh, due to the interoperability created through the Bitcoins like Lightning Network. Um, The amazing thing about this that you hit on is that there's – not the need to memorize a 12 to 24 seed phrase. Um, and you really are custodying your Bitcoin between using those, those trusted parties within your, your Fettyman, um, or this, this, uh, this bank. What's pretty profound about that is, um, if we go to a frontier and emerging market standpoint, because someone in the developed market might say, well, why don't they just self custody it and put it um, and keep their, their seed phrase and steel uh, and, steal and uh, have a hardware wallet. Um, and that's not possible for a lot of people in developing and emerging markets. One, because it's pretty, it's a pretty big lift in order to be able to do that from a technical perspective. And two, it's expensive. And if we're talking about people holding much smaller quantities of um of Bitcoin than they do uh in developed markets, then we need some other solution. Also too, there's this this part of um of the, the natural environment of uh of those markets. So you can imagine like in a in an Afghanistan, if someone had custody their uh, self custody of their Bitcoin and they're walking out and they have a piece of paper, or a piece of steel with their seed phrases on it, or their and their hardware wallet um, that's probably going to be confiscated as you're crossing the border. Using Fetty Mint, uh a Fetiment through Fetty, uh, you could cross leave a country like in Afghanistan or a Syria slick. So meaning there's nothing on your body, and mm-hmm. um, you could then re-access your Bitcoin your money anywhere else in the world by tapping back into that trusted network that those guardians and that fediment. Um, it's a really, really profound solution for its, uh, its potential implications, um, for the sovereignty of money and giving people control over their money. Um, in some of the call it more interesting parts of the world. And, um, it's led by an incredible team and uh we think it's
2: it's one of the most exciting projects in like technology at large so just to like to wrap my head around it like um so bradley's more of the bitcoin guy i'm more of the ethereum guy don't don't hate me um with feddy is this kind of like the account abstraction thing that we're seeing right now on ethereum where you can like create these multi-sigs and delegate them and you don't actually have to uh, remember seed phrases or carry stuff with you um because i've heard a lot of stories that, as you said crossing borders where like hard drives hard drives have been confiscated or scanned and you know so i think that's a huge worry like the idea of having your own money and being a control is you should be able to travel with it so yeah i'm just wondering if what if you think it's similar to account abstraction
0: so i think the the the, the difference of like the two different projects is that with feniment the 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 process of it being built on top of like Bitcoin and with this like global network is is different in the way of its its target market is going after this um, this global South and um, some of the people who have had money weaponized against them over the the all different like points of their life and so from every moment where you're building um, on top of that. You need to have that that thought in your mind. So what does that mean? That means that the money at the, the beginning has to like be completely decentralized from the start. So Bitcoin is like fundamentally necessary for that means too, when we're talking about the, um, the, the nature of how these like mints work and the, the, the tokens on top of the mints that there needs to be an element where. Uh, any type of authoritarian regime, um, or state actor would have trouble. Um, they're, they're being perfect privacy, uh, within the transactions there. So no one can understand really how much money I'm holding, who, uh, is holding that money and what they're transacting against. And so like these design elements, um, from the beginning have been really intentional with the, uh, understanding that the, the market, um, that you're going to be serving. I think that that what's been um, interesting about like Ethereum and projects on Ethereum to date is that they're largely targeted at a Western and developed market. And so some of the like pain points and design elements that, that might be on those projects um, earlier on uh, in something like a FEDI where the, the, the target user is this global South um, user in certain call it like choke points within their life are going to have to be identified before the product is released to them is what's going to make it fundamentally different
1: yeah I love uh, the perspective of well yeah designing designing it to be usable by not just uh (laughs) uh like uh well yeah the the global north uh developed countries or uh particularly uh uh, yeah, tech bros or crypto bros or finance bros, but uh, actually the people who stand to benefit from uh, an open and uh, permissionless financial system the most. Um, yeah, maybe uh, maybe Sonoda as well, um, because that was another project that when I first heard about it, it, uh, it also sounded really cool. Um, if I understand that one right, it's uh, so um With energy providers, the way that uh, electricity kind of streams into our houses for us to use, um, but then the payments are like monthly, um, this would enable those payments to be streamed back to the energy providers over the lightning network?
0: Yeah, so what we've historically looked at is that the... um, the the energy space when we first talked to sonoda and then diving into the space um the energy space you utilize energy especially in the united states um you use energy i consume energy in my house um, one month i get a bill at the end of the month and then that bill is due 30 days later so there's a there's a breakdown between the time period through which is cash lag, where I consume energy and when I pay for energy. That can potentially be 60 days, sometimes even more, 90 days. That cash lag leads to inefficiencies in energy pricing. So you get higher pricing because of natural inefficiencies. Um, It requires the energy company to have this period of float in between the time period where energy is consumed and energy is paid for. And this has this inherent default risk that the consumer, there's going to be a percentage of consumers that consume energy and never end up paying for that energy. And, um, you don't know about that till probably 60 days after 60 to 90 days after that energy has been consumed, uh, before there are different called actions that can be taken. What what we're seeing in this future infrastructure is that you could use lightning's rails and the smart meters that have already been spun up a lot, a lot of the ways of, of a developed world use those smart meters, um, to create this, like lightning network, uh, part of the lightning network on in the energy space. So the the, the smart meters would be um, could be lightning nodes, and you could have a more efficient payment environment where you're consuming energy as you're consuming energy, you're paying for that energy, which should lead to fundamentally lower um, energy prices for the energy consumer and better profitability for the energy companies. What's amazing about Sonoda, and I think like what we, what's like incredible about the Bitcoin space and some of these solutions that we're talking about today, that aren't ready for the 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 whole market now, but are ready ready for elements of it today, is that we're starting to see this port of professionals from other disciplines come to Bitcoin because they're seeing what the technology being built on top of Bitcoin can do for. areas that they've historically experienced pain points. So Sonoda's founding team um, has decades of experience holding all different roles in the traditional energy space uh, in the United States. And by knowing those pain points, knowing those energy providers inside and out, knowing how that industry works, and then seeing that the solution exists on top of Bitcoin, um it's, it's this big aha moment and you start to build for the market that will be there tomorrow. I think getting back to like Mark's point on this of like, why not build that on top of Ethereum or build it on top of um, a different other ecosystem. If we're talking about the biggest, one of the biggest like markets in the world of, of energy um, and these multi-billion dollar multinational companies, um, the infrastructure that's going to have to be laid and trusted is going to have to be on top of something that we're going to have a high degree of confidence is not going to go anywhere. And we don't see that being built anywhere um, for the long term, but on top of Bitcoin. Um, and what the, the, the kind of future that we're seeing is that Bitcoin through the Lightning Network is that rail. And if my grandma is using that rail, so the financial rail, like how the, the transaction is happening, she, if it's working correctly, probably does not even know that it, that it's Bitcoin that she's utilizing. And so that's like the world that we're building towards.
1: Yeah, what I what I like about that is that it's, uh, it's addressing a current pain point for uh, companies. It's not like uh, it doesn't require you to have particular beliefs about the global monetary system or to uh, to be um, inclined towards particular types of investments. It's just like a very practical, um, well, identifies a, a real world problem and then offers a practical solution. Um, but uh, yeah, like you say, depending on the interface, doesn't even necessarily need to be that obvious that it has Bitcoin under the hood.
0: Yeah. And I think that like historically, if we're looking at the, the, the space um, multinational companies that have been around for, for decades, um, for for the better parts of the last century are going to have high degree of sensitivity to anything within the space as they're going to see it as volatile. um, Especially depending on the, the, the regulatory environment, they, they are going to be skeptical of it. Um, And the more that we can solve a problem, and not have, you have to understand the technology that is solving that problem Um, from a user standpoint, that probably better the solution it is. Um, Most people don't know how probably uh, a wire transfer works or an ACH payment works, but they understand after they initiate it, it that it does exactly that, it works and money moves. Um in the, the future of tomorrow, we think a lot of these <clears throat> solutions that are going to be built on um, or being built right now on top of Bitcoin um, will solve uh, potentially difficult problems. But the user will be really won't have to have any type of visualization or mental
1: model as to like how that's being done. Yeah, super cool. Since we're talking about energy, I mean, it's not. I mean, we often hear uh, Bitcoin and uh, energy talked about in a certain way, usually not uh, about uh, on the payment side. But uh, it does seem like Bitcoin is becoming more and more intertwined with uh, the energy industry. Um, do you see the energy debate evolving, at least um, in the U.S.? Because, I mean, from a few years ago, the the main point was, of course, like, oh, Bitcoin consume so much energy. This is ridiculous. Uh, this is totally unsustainable. Um, do you think, I mean, we do still hear those points, but do you think that the debate has evolved and, uh, um, the major, I guess the major players in that debate are, are, uh, seeing things in a different way?
0: I think that the debate is evolving. I wouldn't say that it's, that it has evolved, but it's in the process of evolving. I think that we're starting to have more, Uh, nuanced conversations um, realizing that we're talking about Bitcoin miners and the energy consumption of those miners that Bitcoin mining uh, fosters is this huge bridge towards sustainable energy in that it allows for the utilization of things like wind, hydro, solar during um, non-peak times when that energy would uh, be curtailed, clipped. Um, and loss. And so by utilizing Bitcoin mining, um, you're able to have this, this move into um, sustainable, greener energy technologies and make them um, financially viable when in the past they were not. I think that the, that component of the conversation and the realization that, that Bitcoin mining um, is really hinges on two variables of the ox, uh, the operator's operational expertise and their energy co- energy price. And the better they're able to operate and the lower the energy price, the more profitable that Bitcoin miner is going to be. Well, it turns out the cheapest energy are the sustainable forms of energy, of solar, wind, hydro. And so the, the space is fostering this transition uh, to that. And that's becoming like this... Conversation point that I think people are waking up to. Um, there was that, that that I think it was the Greenpeace. It's a really cool um, uh, skull with the 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 steam coming off the head and the laser eyes, and I think the intention of it was to uh, foster negative sentiment towards Bitcoin. And what it really did was create uh, this this opportunity for a conversation um, to find out uh, especially from the artist standpoint i think he he released a piece afterwards that a lot of the bitcoin miners are fostering this transition to more sustainable energy and um <clears throat> the majority of them are investigating these sustainable energy sources and what this does is it, it 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 enables that transition um and so the the i think the the we have to take away the the benefits that any politician has on making issues black and white and understand that they're probably more nuanced and, uh, and more gray than we understand in the, in the case of energy and Bitcoin, Bitcoin and energy are intertwined. Um, but when you get down into digging into it, it's, uh, it's, they're probably intertwined in a positive way for humanity moving forward.
1: Yeah, certainly hope so. And, uh, it seems, like, uh, it seems like that is happening. Oh, Mark, did you have
2: something? Well, I mean, I was just going to say, like, um, I remember when I first was get well, not when I was first getting to Bitcoin, but when, like, ETH was coming about and all these other projects, it seems like one of the big arguments against Bitcoin was its energy consumption. Everyone was always like, oh, but it uses so much energy, blah, blah, blah. Uh, is that still sort a of common debate now, or are people starting to realize that there are ways around it with new projects coming out?
0: So I'm hearing less of that. I think that, that, that we have some intelligence as to uh, back channel conversations that are happening with uh, different state actors that want to understand um, Bitcoin's energy consumption and, and uh, how Bitcoin can be utilized uh, to kind of like get a, another source of capital, potentially from um, like hydro, wind, solar. That, that traditionally is not there and can foster this transition. Um, I think that's less, less of the the point now. And um, I think we're starting to see uh, where there are more nuanced conversations. That's not to say that, that, that Congress in the United States won't, uh, won't push one agenda item that, that uh, I, I, of bitcoin's energy consumption um and that there might not be uh reasons behind why they're doing that
2: so keeping on the track of um energy what is the most exciting bitcoin energy project that you've seen because i've seen like a toilet that converts waste to help you mine bitcoin i've seen one where the bitcoin like it acts like the miner, acts like a heater for your home so there's quite a lot of interesting ways that people are trying to tackle this i'm just wondering if there's any any really ones that you've seen
0: some of the ones that that are like really exciting, if we go back to those frontier and emerging markets, it's, it's allowing um, decentralized energy infrastructure. So traditionally, right? Like why do people live in cities? People live in cities because uh, the energy uh, comes across a grid and it's pushed out to people's houses and apartments that are in the the vicinity of those cities, getting to these more rural areas around the world. Like we could have solar or hydro um, or, uh, wind that that traditionally uh, would be too expensive for um, these kind of decentralized rural communities. and And what we're able to do utilizing a Bitcoin miner is reduce the energy cost uh, to those communities in a way where they're able to have access to to energy. And I think this is once again, this is the difference between like looking at these projects from the, the standpoint of like a western lens and being like, oh, that's really cool that someone's doing X, Y, and Z at their home, but they already have access to to energy, to the difference of like, we can fundamentally change people's lives and give them access to electricity, to energy, um, through the utilization of a sustainable source and a Bitcoin miner. And like that's, there's a company called Gridless um, that's really interesting, that's, that's, that's doing things like that uh, across Africa. And that's really intriguing. I think outside of that, in a developed market, I think it's always interesting to see as people start to wake up to the fact of how they can hook up solar to their home and hook up Bitcoin miners uh, to their home, how they can lower the cost of, um, of really their energy or, or provide a, a cash flowing um, asset like in their home through like a, a mining rig
1: hooked up to sustainable energy is really interesting to me. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Gridless because that is, uh, I mean, I guess it's not uh, one of your portfolio companies, but it is uh, a, a company that seems to be doing a really cool thing, um, uh, creating or or uh, enabling power sources to be set up in places where it they wouldn't have been built before because it, it wouldn't have been profitable to build them in these remote areas. But then because uh, they can start mining Bitcoin immediately, they are profitable or at least they're uh, Um, they're not a loss. So then you can set up these power sources and then uh, more rural communities can, can uh, have access to power that they wouldn't have, wouldn't otherwise have had. Um, Do I have that right, Nico?
0: Yeah, you have that exactly right. And so that, that becomes, it, it makes the project sustainable from like day one uh, from the ability to get capital because you have access to this low cost, uh, or no cost source of energy. And then it provides energy to these rural communities at a, at a price point that's um, below where they historically could have gotten it, uh, turning on like lights and probably fostering uh, the movement of these these rural communities to towards a more developed world.
1: Absolutely. Uh, we, we've uh, come up to the end of the hour. Uh, do you have to run, Nico, or do you have a few more minutes? i gotta jump
0: in like two minutes but uh give me any last last uh
1: last questions this has been an absolute pleasure yeah for us too uh mark you have anything uh
2: not questions but i just want to say thank you so much for coming up on the space i've actually learned a lot i've been sat here making notes and googling as you've been talking um this is exactly why i joined Coinpost. so yeah thank you very much nico appreciate it yeah really appreciate it um i guess
1: just one more quick question from my side um Oh, let's see, man. I got to choose. Uh, what are you most looking forward to this year in Bitcoin then?
0: That's uh, that's
1: a great question. What am I most looking forward to
0: this year in Bitcoin? Um, hmm. I think one of the most powerful things to me that's always been about Bitcoin is uh, Alex Gladstein at the Human Rights Foundation does an incredible job of um, connecting uh, what is really abstract in a, in a developed world as to the solutions on top of Bitcoin and Bitcoin's power um, to the the real world in life or death situations. So he brings on activists from like Libya, Eritrea, Afghanistan, um, to name a few places. So these harsh environments around the world and has them explain um, how Bitcoin has affected their life and how it's being used in, in different manners to uh fundamentally change potentially save people's lives and um so anytime i'm able to sit in on one of his events is is, is really exciting to me i got to sit in on one in, in ghana and um there's an event coming up so in the near term is just the first thing that came to mind at bitcoin miami they're hosting an event um and i'm really excited about that uh because it helps to connect the the work that we do on a daily basis to um some of these things that, that are probably more abstract, uh, for me and, and good to be brought back and to, to realize. So I think if anybody out there is listening and you're curious about it, if you go on YouTube and you type in anything with Alex Gladstein and the human rights foundation, you'll probably get a couple panels where he sits down with these, these activists. And, um, those are really good to, to just, um, make the, the 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 case as to, to how powerful some of these solutions on top of Bitcoin and how
1: powerful Bitcoin can be uh, for people around the world. Absolutely. Uh, awesome way to end it. Uh, Nico, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Mark.
0: Really appreciate it. I uh, would love to do this again at some point in the future. Thanks, everybody else for listening in and uh, you can connect to me here or through the EgoDeath website. Um, thank you guys and hope you have a great day.
1: Alright, how was that? One thing that struck me was that ego death is invested in a range of different companies, but each of them exemplifies what happens when you bring a new kind of money in contact with an existing system or industry. Communities can form secure microeconomies, separate from the government controlled currency that may be inflating their savings away. Uh, energy companies or really any company that streams a product or service to you can get paid in the same way streaming payments which improves cash flow and reduces risk because really it's not just a new kind of money it's a new monetary system and the projects building on it are creating an ecosystem we're going to spend a lot more time exploring this ecosystem trying to wrap our heads around what it looks like and and what it could look like so i hope you stick around follow the show if you don't want to miss an episode and if you'd like to help me out, a rating or review or sharing this episode with a friend would really go a long way. In any case, let me know what you thought. Thank you so much for listening, and talk to you again soon.
2: GM Radio.